Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the All In Man Cave podcast with your host, me, Cole Haight. Coming at you with a special episode today. I haven't talked a lot about MLB baseball. MLB baseball just got to the end of the first half of the season. If you guys hadn't seen it, Shohei Otani, a little bit disappointing in the home run derby. Uh, The all-star game, a little bit subpar if if you're asking me. However, uh, we're going to get into some MLB today. But more importantly, we're going to be bringing on a very special guest. Uh, what been f- best friends with this kid for a while. Uh, we roomed in college together. He's a huge MLB fan, huge Mets fan. Now bringing on my man, Tyler Martinez. What's up, Ty? Hey, how you doing, Cole? All right, so we're going to be talking baseball today. This guy is a statistics man, loves baseball as much as I love football, as you can tell from the first six episodes of the podcast. So, all right, Ty. We're going to get into some nitty gritty about what happened in the first half. We'll get some takes on how you feel the first half went and see how the second half is going to go. But first, what we really all want to talk about, which is one of the biggest news stories in baseball this year, spider tack and how it's helping pitchers in the MLB this season. So what do you think about spider tack and how it's affected some of the pitchers this season? And the one of the most notable ones being Garrett Cole. I mean, I definitely think it's playing a factor into the sport. I mean, you have pitchers who are producing and who are not producing. And based off of the evidence that has been seen since June 3rd, when the whole, when MLB came out with this whole statement that they're going to start checking pitchers for foreign substances, substances, it was very interesting to see like how many players reacted in a good way or in a bad way. Uh, specifically Garrett Cole, he stumbled over his words when he was being interviewed, which made it clearly obvious that he was using spider tack. Um, now there's a report that came out earlier in the month in June from Jeff Tracy from Axios, where he put up numbers between April 1st to June 2nd to, and he compared them to June 3rd to July 5th. And it was very interesting to see because during the month of April to June 2nd, Garrett Cole, his he averaged, he was pitching, he pitched 70 innings. And that was about 11 starts. His ERA was 1.78. And he was striking out almost 13 batters per nine innings. And was only walking a little over one batter per nine innings as well. And as well as with home runs, he was giving up a little, Average less than one home run every time you started. But then now if you look into his numbers between June 3rd and July 5th, he threw 34 innings, had six starts. His ERA went up, went from 1.78 to 5.24. So that's almost three and a half his ERA went up to. That evidence, that evidence right there is insane. And one of the main reasons why Garrett Cole is getting a lot of the notoriety he's getting is because he's playing for the most polarizing team in baseball, the New York Yankees. So if, if it, it's, and it's all about the New York drama. It, it happens in all sports. It happens in basketball. It happens in football. If you're playing in that big market, you're going to have a huge camera lens on you and it's going to be recording all the time. So for him to be, a big part of this whole spider tack issue. I mean, and he, and he's on the New York yet. Like I can't say it any other way. He's on the New York Yankees. You're in that market and you're in a big baseball market like that. It's going to affect him and it's going to affect the New York Yankees moving forward. Oh, absolutely. And it's like, I mean, you can always make the argument that pitchers like why they use it. Well, they want to have a better grip on the baseball. They want to make sure that they're not, throwing at anyone but it's also because of the spin rate i mean the spin rate is just ridiculous but then you can also make the argument with batters in a way because batters they wear batting gloves they spray on they have pine tar on their bats they have this no stick spray that they put on so it's like the pitchers are making an argument or why are why can the batters put all this substances on their hands and on their bats so we can't put it on the ball well you're not pitchers are yes you're throwing a ball 90 miles an hour and plus almost at this right now it's like 100 miles an hour but you can also with the whole batters though they're swinging a bat 
and there's proof that these bats go flying into the ball, like go flying to the stands. You don't see balls go flying in the stands off of a pitcher's hand. Only way, only way balls go into the stadium or out of the stadium or into the crowd is foul balls and home runs. And this might be, and this might be just me, but I feel like a lot of people agree. Um, and watching sports in general, you'll always get a lot more people interested and a lot more offense than a lot more defense. So think about it if, if you want to use it in baseball or in football, honestly. It's like if you're going to have a team that's going to put up 40 points a game and they're also going to give up 35, people are going to want to watch that. Like they're going to want to watch that more than if you go back to the best defenses in football or the best defenses in, in the MLB, like they don't want to watch, people don't want to watch one, nothing football or one, nothing baseball games as much as they want to see home run derbies basically in the regular season. So, and, and I agree with you hundred percent. Like if, if, if hitters are going to be able to use these things to help them perform their task and to perform better at it, why are pitchers not able to do that? And it's, it, it, it needs to be an equal street because it, it almost seems like the MLB is trying to uh, encourage more offense by limiting pot, um, spider tack, but allowing pine tar and extra sticky baseball gloves to be in the game still. But let's yeah. move on from Garrett Cole and let's go into Trevor Bauer because Trevor Bauer, one of the highest pit paid pitchers in baseball, he's got a lot of stuff going on right now too. And it, He's a pretty polarizing figure, too, similar to most of the New York Yankees. But let's talk about Trevor Bauer a little bit. So with Trevor Bauer, what I can say is, as a Mets fan, I am so glad that the new owner, Stephen Cohen, did not sign him. Because everyone, if you're a baseball fan, the whole Mets thing is there's always some type of weird drama with the Mets. But for them to not sign him, granted, I wanted him. I wanted Trevor Bauer. I was like, all right, you have DeGrom, Syndergaard, Carrasco, and you add Bauer to that. Hell of a rotation. Sounds pretty but good to me. <laughs> I truly am so glad that they did not sign him because he is now being investigated by a Pasadena police for felony assault after a woman accused him of choking her until she lost consciousness and was injured. Major League Baseball put him on administrative leave for seven days on July 2nd. And the administrative leave was extended for another seven days on Thursday, July 8th. Well, as of last night, Major League Baseball put him on for a third time, another seven-day administrative leave. But with this administrative leave, they extended not just seven days, but they moved it to the 27th, which would be Tuesday of and from two weeks from now, basically. Uh, what this, this is very interesting because Major League Baseball they didn't have to they didn't have to for the the third time of being put on administrative leave they need to get consent from the players union. Well, both Major League Baseball and well Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, and the players union agreed upon let's put Trevor Bauer on this administrative leave again. Now, he's still getting paid. He's averaging $1.5 million per week. $1.5 million a week? Yes. So you're telling me in three weeks of him being investigated, he's getting $4.5 million in three weeks for not playing baseball? Correct. (laughs) That's correct. Uh, Anybody in America, not only the people listening to this podcast, but everyone else in America would love that job. Oh, absolutely. I'll take that all day of the week. Absolutely. Unbelievable. Is, Unbelievable. What's, what's funny, though, is that even though he's on this administrative leave, the Dodgers cannot suspend him. He's still on their roster. They can't suspend him. The reason why they can't is because Major League Baseball enacted a policy, which is called the Joint Domestics Violence and Sexual Assault and Child Abuse Policy back in 2015. So the only way the Dodgers could suspend Trevor Bauer is if if is major if Major League Baseball and Rob Manfred gives the Dodgers power to suspend him. So he has to give up his authority, basically. That's which is not going to happen. And, and he's also linked. Trevor Bauer is also linked to the whole spider attack issue, is he not? He he's is considered one of the ring. He's considered in multiple blogs that I've seen as the ringleader 
I don't know exactly what that means, um, but he's he's I, I, that's unbelievable. And it's and it, going back to the Yankees comments that we just made, like this is extremely polarizing. This man just got the best, like a very good contract with the Dodgers. He's on what's considered one of the best teams right now, which is the L.A. Dodgers. And and it's like I can even make a, a this isn't an NFL podcast, but Richard Sherman, we don't need to go into it, but. It's it's these pe- these players are performing a sport that they love to play over and over again. It's literally their dream to play this sport and get paid to do it. Yeah, and, and they're they still can- acting like this. Yeah, I mean, you can also make the argument though is with like so if you haven't heard, if you get caught using foreign substance, you're suspended for ten games, and you're not getting paid. Or actually, I'm sorry, you are getting paid. You're still getting paid, but you're suspended for ten games. Now, if you look back with this whole cheating scandal with the Astros, no one got, no one was suspended. You fired your manager for a year. He was fired. But then a year later, he gets hired by the Detroit Tigers. As and he's just, he's just doing the same thing, but for a different team. Exactly. So now you have, you have people who are, you, who are cheating, pitchers who are cheating, are getting suspended 10 games. Your team, whatever team you play for, it can't they can't call up someone else to take your spot. So now you only you lose a player for ten games. But the pitchers are whoever gets caught cheating. It's not just pitchers; they're getting a ten game suspension. But for a team who cheated and won the World Series, didn't get anything besides they lost money. I believe they couldn't draft anybody, and you lost your manager. That's unbelievable. And like, and it's, it's stuff like this that's happening all throughout sports. It's not just, it's not just the MLB. It's not just the NFL. This stuff's happening throughout sports. You got Starling Castro for, for the Washington nationals. He's put on leave for alleged, for alleged domestic violence as well. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's a lot of players and Starling Castro is no bum. Like he's a great player. Yeah. Right. He's so there's a lot of good players. In, yeah. There's good players everywhere doing this stuff. And, and I don't really understand it. Quite frankly, I can't relate. I'm not making million millions of dollars, nor am I a professional at any sport. Closest one's probably golf, but I'm. T- I just I don't understand why you have literally everything that you've wanted since you've grown up. You finally played for a team, a great team. You're on a, a a Hall of Fame team this year. The LA Dodgers are considered a Hall of Fame like great team this year. Why Why are you doing this? It it just doesn't it doesn't make sense, and it's not good for baseball. No. It's terrible for baseball because all the kids that are watching baseball are seeing this stuff mm-hmm. and they're growing up and they're going to stop watching baseball. That my favorite player now just beats women. Like it's not, it doesn't relate well. No, not at but all. Moving off of that. Let's talk about the, let's talk about the, the possible trade between the Braves and the Cubs. I was very interested when I saw this and I, I tell us more about it because I think it's real interesting. So last night it was probably around 1130 at night I received a notification that Jock Peterson who was playing for the Chicago Cubs who signed a one-year contract was traded to the Atlanta Braves for Bryce Ball who's the 12th ranked prospect in the Braves farm system now this move is very interesting because Bryce Ball is a first baseman they also have who everyone should know is Freddie Freeman Freddie Freeman is a free agent after this season. So this indication should possibly mean that Freddie Freeman is going to sign a long-term deal with the Braves, but there hasn't been any news or anything about it at all yet. But they could end up, they could end up double hitting themselves on this because if they let Freeman walk and then Bryce Ball's gone, now they end up with no first baseman unless they can find one in free agency. So you went, so you took your farm system, which is supposed to build your team theoretically without free agency, you get rid of him. And then you have your guy who's not really deteriorating this season. I wouldn't say that all hitters are are having a struggle this season, but he's not having a terrible season. So you're not going to sign the guy who's been with you forever. He's basically your veteran presence. And you're also going to get rid of the dude in the farm system who's supposed to replace him. But now you're going to go out and try and find somebody brand new who knows nothing about the organization to come in and fill that spot potentially. Correct. And there's no way of filling Freddie Freeman's shoes. Like he's, if you think of the Braves, you think of Chipper Jones, Andrew Jones, 
you think of all those players. But right now in this generation, right now, little kids are thinking, oh, you think of Atlanta Braves, you think of Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman. Think of Ronald Acuna Jr. You can't, there's no way of replacing them. So, yeah, you can get someone off of free agency, but they're never going to replace Freddie Freeman. So if they're going to trade, since they traded the 12th-ranked first baseman, basically, and the 12th-ranked prospect in baseball in their farm system, you better have an idea of what you're doing. And then for you personally, now think about this. I'm just – this is going off the the skin of my teeth right here, but think about – so Ronald Acuna Jr. just tore his ACL. Right. So who knows how he's going to come back from that? That's true. Then you let Freddie Freeman go. You don't. And Bryce Ball's already gone. They lost like 50% of their offense. I mean, you have Aldis, who's their second baseman. Pretty good. Like he can swing the bat. I mean, I see him play all the time just by when he played the Mets. Like fantastic. They have good ball players. You have the third baseman, Riley, very good, but there's no way of replacing Acuna. And I believe, like, obviously with Peterson, they picked, they traded it for him because he's on a one-year deal. He was pretty good with the Dodgers, but he wasn't really – he couldn't really hit lefties. So every time, and especially in the late innings, they would switch him out. But there's no – by drafting – by well, not drafting, but by trading Peterson, there's no way he's going to fill Acuna's shoes. Like, there's no, no way. way. There's no, no way. way. I agree with you 100%. And I'm interested to see moving forward what happens if we see anything uh, with that trade because that would be very interesting. Uh, my my family's actually uh, – my mom's brother, well, my uncle, is from Atlanta. So we always used to go to uh, Braves games at Turner Field. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm really interested to see. I always root for them. I'm not – I'm a Twins fan, but I'll root for the Atlanta Braves. Just like I'll root for your Mets. Right. I just, I just will not root for Philadelphia. It won't happen. And I'm not rooting for the Yankees either. So um, any other team, I would literally root for in baseball, probably minus the Astros. But um, so let's move on. So interestingly, you brought this up to me. So Mark DeRosa, former MLB player, uh, 15 years, eight different teams, top five faces in baseball. So I asked you to give me your top five. So I want you to tell everybody Mark DeRosa's top five and then tell them your top five and all the, discre- the discrepancies between the two. So Mark DeRosa's top five is Fernando Tatis Jr. Shohei Otani is number two. Jacob DeGrom is number three. Number four is Vladimir Guerrero. And number five is Aaron Judge. My top five, number one is obviously Fernando Tatis Number two is Mike Trout. Number three is Ronald Acuna Jr. Number four is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And number five is Shohei Otani. I see why, like, his, Mark DeRosa's top five, I see it, I get it. Obviously, everyone's going to have Fernando Tatis Jr., hell of a ball player, signed a huge contract to stay with the San Diego Padres for 14 years and is getting $340 million. And he's only 22. So that's a huge, huge risk on both his part, on Tatis's part, and also on the Padres, because a lot can happen in 14 years. And he's playing a hard position in shortstop. But with Tatis, you can his presence, you can, he's very marketable. He's he like I there's an episode on him. It's called El Nino that was put that was on MLB Network. It's pretty much a little document documentary on him. Fantastic, and I can I can truly see why a lot of uh, you can I can see a lot of kids looking looking up to him, trying to mimic his batting stance, trying to wear his number twenty three. Like he's a very marketable person, great personality. He's going to be around the league for a very, very long time. The with Mark, the one discrepancy I have with Mark DeRosa's top five would be Aaron Judge. Granted, he plays on the the historic Yankees. I get it. He's a power hitter. He's not going to hit for average. He's definitely not going to hit for average. Yes, he's going to hit possibly at least thirty home runs. 
possibly 40. I mean, I don't think he's going to repeat his rookie year where he hit 52 home runs. I don't think that's ever going to happen. I mean, it might, but the odds of it slim to none. He has a more, I believe he has a more shot of hitting 40 home runs and driving in a hundred RBIs, but I don't think he's the face of baseball. I mean, how, how can you leave out Ronald Acuna Jr.? How can you leave out Mike Trout? Mike Trout has been the face of baseball at least eight years. And I feel like, honestly, I feel like Mark left him out because he's been injured most of the season. Granted, but if you look at it, though, he was out for almost, he was out for more than half of the first half of the season, but fans voted him in to the All-Star. Yeah. And he only played a couple, like maybe, I think 40 games, maybe. Yeah. That's the thing, though. So I'm seeing, so baseball's taking a bit of a, a turn. So I've noticed I don't watch a whole lot of baseball. Okay. I watch a decent amount, not as much as you, obviously, but maybe you can back me up on this. So I feel like us growing up, maybe when we were in high school to from high school to now, I feel like the veteran presence on teams is starting to get less and the younger, more the younger players are becoming more polarizing more quickly. So just looking at your list, Tatis Jr. is young. Otani is young. Vlad Guerrero Jr. is young. Okunia Jr. is young. You have Mike Trout on there, who's probably the oldest out of everyone on that list, if not close to it. So it's it's almost like, and it's good for baseball because you, you normally don't see that. You see a great player go from team to team till the end of his career. You don't see a lot of the farm system people coming up. But now with, with Fernando Tatis, Vlad Guerrero Jr., and Raul Okunia, like those three themselves can, can put on a show. No, absolutely. I mean, these these guys are these young kids, basically, because they're literally kids. They're kids. They're it's a shock because, I mean, Aaron Judge is 29. Mike Trout is in his 30s. Mike Trout also plays a tough position in the center field. He's like the captain of the outfield. Correct. So, I mean, and I also see I mean, I love the fact that Mark DeRosa has Jacob DeGrom ranked third on his list. I love Jacob DeGrom. Like he's literally as a Mets fan in this generation is like the Tom Seaver of the 69 Mets. Like it's just Jacob DeGrom is up there, but to me, Jacob DeGrom pitches every fifth day. So I want someone who's on a top face. Like if you want to put it as like a pitching perspective where uh, who's the face of, who's the face of baseball for pitching, no hands, definitely Jacob DeGrom, but for a position player needs to be someone who plays every single day. And granted, yes, you're going to have injuries and and a lot of things are going to come up, off days and stuff like that. But it has to be a position player. We were talking. We were talking before we went live on the podcast. Tell 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 them what you found out about Degrom about the statistic. So I follow SNY.TV on Twitter, and it's if you don't know what SNY is, it's sports. It's basically it's the sports New York sports. Media center or what have you. Yeah. Correct. So on July 8th, which was last Thursday, there was a picture that came out of Jacob deGrom and it had a list of how many fastballs he has thrown that were over a mile, that were either a hundred miles an hour or more. And then had a list of who else did that. So Jacob deGrom and all of his starts from the beginning of the season to the very end before the all-star break, he has thrown 179 fastballs that were a hundred miles an hour or more gas. It's a straight like gas 179. And he's 33 years old. He is not young. And each year he pitches his velocity gets higher and higher and higher for some way it does. Now the second closest to him is Sandy Alcantara from the Miami Marlins. He has thrown 24 fastballs that were 100 miles an hour or more. 24. It's not even close. It's a, Jacob DeGrom has thrown 155 more fastballs at 100 miles an hour or more. 155. He's amazing to watch, man. I love watching him. I love, I love watching him pitch. We, we, used, to, we used to watch in, in college. We used to watch him pitch at least three times a week. It was... Uh, 
I, watching the Mets in college was great. I loved it. Jacob DeGrom's amazing. And once they get Syndergaard back, I think they'll be good. I, I think they'll be good. You don't need Trevor Bauer, Ty. You don't need him. No. You don't need him. No. All right. So let's talk. So the first end of the, the, so the first half of the season just ended. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's, let me get your thoughts on the home run derby and the all-star game. What you saw, what you liked, what you didn't like. I, the home run derby, I mean, I thought it was, it was pretty good. I mean, I wish it, I wish the matchup was Shohei Otani versus Pete Alonzo, but Trey Mancini, his story is amazing. It is. He came, he came back from stage three cancer, colon cancer. I believe it was colon cancer. And it was like the, and he plays on the one of the worst teams in baseball, the Orioles. Yeah. And the respect that he has and the, the fact that he, the numbers he's producing, yeah, he's not, he's one of those guys who's not going to bat for average, but he's going to hit the home runs. He's going to hit the ball hard. Th- that was to see him do that, to come out of nowhere and say, yeah, I'll, I will, I'll participate. I didn't, I didn't think he was going to like, I had no idea that was an option for him, but that for him to put on that performance and to make, to bring awareness to what he went through, because that's basically what he did. He brought awareness to it. Like, Hey, get checked. Like it was amazing. Now I thought, I mean, a lot of people were, didn't like how Alonzo acted with the bobbing of the head and kind of like showing people up but I don't think that was the case. And I'm not just saying that as a Mets fan, I'm not saying that at all. I mean, quite frankly, that's like the only thing that they're good at is having one person go to the home run derby and win it at this point. But I mean, I think people need to relax on how he reacted. He, if you really think about it, he knows what he's doing and he's been there before. Everyone that was there has not like you had Trevor story, Shohei Otani, Joey Gallo, um, Juan Soto, Salvador Perez, like none of them have ever been in the home run derby before. And the P. Alonso has already been there. Granted, it was in 2019. They obviously didn't have the all-star game and all-star break last year because of COVID, but he already knew what he was doing. Like he's not, he wasn't worried. He knows he can hit the ballpark 500 feet. They all basically can. But he, he, Pete Alonso knew exactly what he was doing in this. So, yes, I'm happy that he won. I think it's great. Like, he kind of brought some swag to it. I mean, he was listening to Biggie Smalls and, like, had different songs for that were based off of, like, the, the Denver area and everything. So it was pretty cool. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it was I was watching it. Granted, I didn't – I mean, as a kid, I used to get more excited about it. But, I mean, it's just cool to see, like, someone stand there and – compare them to like, Oh, how, like everyone's saying they're exhausted. You look at Pete Alonzo, Pete Alonzo, he was not exhausted at all. He literally was just like, let's keep going. Like, I'm fine. Like, let's keep going. Uh, Now when it comes to the all-star game, the one thing I did not like about it, there's actually two things. One thing I, the first thing I didn't like about it was that they had, everyone had like the same uniform where before it was whoever was representing their team wore their home uniform. They didn't do that this year, which I don't think is, I think that's, I didn't think the jerseys were nice either. Um, but, and also the home run, the uh, all-star game, it didn't really count for anything before whoever won would get home field advantage in the world series. Now it doesn't mean anything. So it's like the NBA, like the NBA all-star break. That doesn't mean anything. The pro bowl for NFL. That doesn't mean anything. So it's like, now, what are you going to do? Like, are, are you going to, what is baseball going to do to make it more meaningful? They need to get some sort of incentive because honestly, like my, my outlook going into the all-star break was, is all the Otani hype going to over, it's going to overtake the entire all-star break, which I don't think it did. Now, the reason why I don't think it did was because he didn't perform in the home run derby like everyone thought he would. Mm-hmm. However, the all-star game itself, most of the all-star games that I've seen for the past 10 years, maybe they're not really that exciting because the pitching is so good from everywhere. It's never really that offensive of a game. Granted Vlad Guerrero juniors home run in that game was piped. Absolutely piped. 
Yes. Um, and I I don't like Philadelphia, but their catcher is amazing. Oh, he's so, the best catcher in the league. What? He's the best catcher in the league. Oh yeah, by far. And I uh, listen. I will never hype up a Philadelphia player, but that dude is amazing. He doesn't talk crap. He goes about his business. He, he's a, a, he's the top player, the top catcher in baseball right now. And he so, was drafted by the Marlins, right? He was drafted by the Miami Marlins as a shortstop. So his whole entire life, he played. He was a shortstop from low league to the minors, and then when he went to the minors, they transitioned to a catcher. It sounds like the story of Justin Pacioli. <laughs> Almost Easton grad. Almost. Shout out! Shout out to Justin Pacioli if you're listening to this. By the way, <laughs> two guys you went to high school with. You did play shortstop, then you did transfer as a catcher at Lehigh, and you played catcher at Lehigh, and now you're playing in a AAA system somewhere. I don't. I'm not sure exactly where, but you're playing somewhere. Um. So moving on. So I know you have some thoughts on this. So Stephen A. Smith and his comments about Sho- Shohei Otani, and this happened right before the hype for the All Star break. So, oh, how do you feel about what he said? I, I'll let you talk about it. I'll I'll chime in afterwards. But how do you feel about what Stephen A. said? And do you think that his apology was good enough? I mean, I always knew Stephen A. Smith's mouth would get him in trouble one day. Yes, it will. <laughs> like, I mean, granted, he's very honest and like he brings excitement in a way. Like, it's always like when I watch him, like, oh, what is he going to say next? Like, and the fact that how he talks crap about the Cowboys is amazing. Yes. Like, I'm a Giants fan, so I can't stand the Cowboys. So how he talks to them and how he reacts when they lose, I think it's funny. But I always knew his mouth would get him in trouble one day. Um, I don't think the way he stated that Major League Baseball can't have a foreign player be the face of baseball because they need a translator. To me, it shouldn't be a matter of what language you speak. It's about what you do on the field, what you do off the field. So to have him say that you need, like you, it should be Mike Trout or Bryce Harper. Yes, both of those players are very, very good. But you're bringing, baseball is a very, very diverse sport. You have thousands of players all around the country. You have Korea, Japan, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, Venezuela, all around the world. So to have someone state you can't be the face of baseball because you have an interpreter and you can't speak the language, Shohei Otani can speak English. Yes, it might not be great. He might not be feel. He might not feel comfortable saying speaking it during interviews, which I get it. Like why? Like why? If I didn't know, if I didn't know the language, I'm gonna go back to what I do know. I'm gonna go back to language that I can speak, and then have, if I have an interpreter, then they can interpret what I obviously said in English or whatever language. So I thought his comments were he shouldn't. He should have just kept his mouth shut. And there should have been there should have been no reason for that. Shohei Tani is a fantastic player. He's literally considered the Babe Ruth of our of this generation. And for him to say, for for him for Stephen A. Smith to say what he said, you got to put himself. Put, Stephen A. Smith should have put himself in Shohei Tani's shoes. When he came over, he was twenty two years old or twenty three years old. From he came, he left Japan, left his whole entire family left the country he grew up in, left the team he played for in Japan to pursue a dream in Major League Baseball. The highest level of baseball there is in the world. So he left all that behind, went to, was signed by the Angels, playing with Mike Trout. Then he, then he gets hurt and has Tommy John surgery comes back this year and is performing the way that he is, that man deserves to be the face of baseball. All the diversity he went through. I agree with you 100%. I agree with you 100%. And not only that, but so I watched the Stephen A clip on first take of him apologizing on national television. Granted, Stephen A. Smith could sell ice to an Eskimo, right? So yes. to be to be fair... Like, I don't know him enough. I've watched him, but I don't know him enough to 
know if that was a heartfelt response. It seemed like it when I watched it. And you're right. Stephen A does fly up. Like he, he goes, you know how people wear their feelings on their sleeve. Absolutely. Wears his mouth on his hands. So <laughs> it, it's, it's, it, he can't be saying that. And it it's legitimate. Everything you said is hundred percent correct. Doesn't matter what language you speak. Actions mean louder or actions speak louder than words. So the man performs on the baseball field. He's doing something that nobody's done since even Babe Ruth. And he's probably just as good at it, if not better than what Babe Ruth did back then. So well, a two-way Ruth. player like that. Yeah. Like Babe Ruth, he, from I read an article the other day that when he went to the Yankees, he was pretty much already done pitching. Like wasn't doing that as often. So he then obviously focused on playing in the outfield and in hitting. And now everyone knows like all the records he broke and everything. But Shohei Otani is pitching every fifth day, throing 90 some mile an hour fouls while striking people out, has a 3.7 ERA, doing a great job. Like there's, there's no way. And after coming back from Tommy John surgery, like, and you're performing like that. And then after you're done pitching, you know, you're still, you're still batting. And then you're not just like hitting home runs. Granted, he's has 33 home runs. He is leading the league in all baseball and home runs in the first half. He passed, he's the, he, I, the other article I read the other day was that he is the first Japanese player to have that many home runs in the first half of the season. He beat Hideki Matsui. That's, who, imp- it's impressive. Yeah. Think about, think about for one second, real quick. Think about the best starting pitcher and the best DH you've ever, you've ever seen. You don't have to name them, but just think about the best DH and the best starting pitcher, right? He's both of them. It's crazy. It's, it's insane. absolutely crazy. It's literally insane. And more of people, if more people like this come into baseball, like if they're, if you had five Shohei Otanis in baseball right now, can you imagine how much more people would be watching baseball? Oh, absolutely. It's literally like you can – he's literally – him and, and Tatis Jr. are the type of players where you stop what you're doing. To watch him on TV? Watch him. And, see and, what you're, and you're a Mets fan. And he plays for the Padres. And one of them plays for the Angels. You're completely across the country. Yep. So that leads me into the last question. So it's a two-parter, but stay with me on this. So let's get your idea – we just talked about it a little bit, maybe, but let's get your idea of how you think you could get more people to watch baseball. What do you think the MLB has to do to get more people to watch baseball? And give me a few teams you're looking at for the second half of the season for the viewers to keep an eye on. I definitely think Major League Baseball, they need to have a better market ability, basically. Like you have these players who are who would draw millions of dollars. And you have kids who are watching. So you have Fernando Tatis. Market him. Put him everywhere in baseball. Shohei Otani. Same thing. Like, you literally need to market better. And at the same time, baseball is a very expensive sport. And you you have to make it cheaper for young kids, for families who can't afford baseball bats, gloves, cleats. Like, it's a very expensive sport. I mean, granted, all sports are expensive, but there's a reason why you have little kids using metal bats and not wooden bats until you get to a certain age because wooden bats are expensive. Metal bats here, they're going to last longer, but, I mean, we played together. We played baseball. I mean, you know when you have a good bat and a dead bat, like, you yep. just by the sound. So, yes. It didn't matter happen. which bat I had because I was, I was on the bench. I couldn't hit, so. Yeah, um, same here, so. It didn't matter. <laughs> Um, all right. So I agree with you hundred percent. Um, it's hard to market baseball and the newer viewership of baseball is different than the older viewership of baseball. It's begun. It's beginning to be like the boomers versus the, the new, new generation. So I, like, I that's always going to be, a, that's always going to be a struggle. I absolutely agree. I mean, I definitely like view like these unwritten rules at this generation, these kids that are coming up, they don't care about the unwritten rules. They're going to play the way that they want to play. They're going to bring excitement to it. You're going to see a lot of things that you would not expect to see on the baseball field. And I think that's another way of getting people interested. And I mean, granted, like 
everyone knows certain un like these rules and unwritten rules and everything like that, but they're that's more so from the older generation. And the thing that I like about Fernando Tatis is that he doesn't care if what the count is, if it's 3-0 count, how what the score is. It's not about him running up the score because last year he was playing against the Texas Rangers. They were up 10-3 and in the late innings. And he hit a after a 3-0 count, he hit a grand slam. So the unwritten rule is you're up by a certain amount of points. Do you swing the bat 3-0? Typically, no. You don't do that because it's like you're showing off the pitcher. In Fernando Tatis's eyes, doesn't matter. Like you threw a, you literally threw me a fastball right down the middle on a 3-0 count. I'm not going to just let it go. I'm going to swing the bat. My goal is to win the game. So a lot of pitchers didn't like that, but at the same time, it's times are changing. This is not, this is not old school baseball anymore. I mean, if you look, if you really want to look about, think about it, old school baseball, we that's what we have right now in, in a way you have, American League, where they had the DH, and you have the National League, where you have the you don't have the DH. You have the pitcher batting. Probably after this season, that might go. There might be a universal DH in both leagues, which I like. I don't want a pitcher who is the face of your franchise or your best starting pitcher running down the field at full sprint and then tearing his hamstring. Where unless most- they're Shohei Otani, true. <laughs> And but and with Shohei Otani though, you're going to at some point he it's going to stop. He's going to have to focus on one or the other because they're not. That takes a lot of toll on your body. But right now, go with it. He's young. He's 26. Go with it. If that's what he wants, if he wants to continue to do both, right? And you and he cuts his career in half. I bet you he has a better outlook on his career knowing that he made a decision to do both and it was shorter rather than extending it and missing one or the other. Now, do you know how much Shohei Otani is making this year? I don't actually. How much is he making? Three million dollars. Three million dollars. Yes. For the entire year. Yes. Trevor Bauer made that in two and a half weeks. Exactly. This is disgusting. <laughs> all right. This is all right. The first half's in the books, Ty. First half of the season's in the books. MLB, the longest season. You will be sitting at your house watching most of these baseball games. All right. So no one will have a better outlook on you. Give me a few teams to watch for the second half of the season going into the playoffs in October. So you want the good or the bad first? You can give me – you can do whatever you want. I mean, one of the teams I think someone should – everyone should look out for, I would say the San Francisco Giants. I mean, they came out of nowhere – they have the best record in baseball. They're 57 and 32. They're, I did not expect that at all. Like, I thought they would be in last place. But, I mean, you also have the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks are not good. So, I would say they were would be in third place at this point. Now, they might not last long, but to see what they're doing right now is impressive. Uh, the other team I would look – for if you want to look in the American League, I would say honestly, I'm gonna to have to go with Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is that's what how Kevin Cash is a fantastic manager. They literally know exactly what he knows exactly what he's doing. That team has always produced. Right now they're only a game and a half back from the Boston Red Sox, which are also a surprise. But it's just what you can't you can't leave them out. Yeah. Like if they have one bad game, maybe a bad week, let's say, they turn that one bad week into three weeks of winning baseball. Like that's that's a fantastic team. You have Randy Arozarena, who's very exciting to watch. You have uh, Joe Manchu. He's, I mean, I was at the Tampa Bay game a couple of weeks ago, and he's the how the crowd reacts to him. They all love him. Well, I'll them. tell you what, your two teams were almost the same as mine, and you mentioned the one that was different. So I would have went with the Red Sox versus the Rays because I was told multiple times by my, one of my best friends, Greg, that the Red Sox were going to be terrible this year. And then I look up the standings, and they are 
they were in first place at some at one point of six six and a half games. So I, the Red Sox are impressive. The Rays are very impressive, especially on the betting front. So if you're a better on DraftKings and you take the Rays, always take them to win by one and a half because they've won most of their games by two runs or more. Um, so if you're bet you're a betting man and you're listening to the podcast right now and the Rays are playing the Diamondbacks, uh, please take them at the Rays minus one and a half, no matter what the odds are, because I guarantee you they will cover it. Um, all right, so let's go on to some some flops here. So let's go into some teams that are going to have a more of a disappointing downturn to the second half of the season. I uh, definitely have to say the Yankees. I think they have a lot on their plate. Granted, I mean, they're they have injuries right now with COVID, but I I don't I think I don't think they have the pitching besides Cole. That's I don't think they have anyone else that yeah, Brett Gardner is getting old, but he's not producing. It's I think they're I think they're on the decline. And not, not to mention many, John Carlos Stan is having one of the worst seasons I've seen in a while. I mean, he can he's always a threat, but he's either a threat to strike out or he's a threat to hit a ball 400 and some feet out of the ballpark. Correct. But I just think and then their bullpen. I mean, they have. They have a couple of guys, but right now, Rollis Chapman, you can't trust him. I would not, if I came in a tight game, if I was the manager, if I was Aaron Boone, I would not put him in into the in the ninth inning. I would not have him as my closer. Everyone knows he's going to throw a fastball. Right now, it's I would say it's not a fastball, it's a sinker. But everyone knows it's coming. You know what you're going to get from him, but right now, it's either he's going to throw one strike or he's going to walk you completely. And it's just, I think they're going to have a tough time. They're definitely looking in the trade market to add pieces, um, but it's, they're a tough, they are a tough team right now to watch. Yeah. And for most Yankees fans that you've ever met, and we lived with one at college, um, was also a Cowboys fan. So that was very interesting. Um, so the high hopes of the New York Yankees this season have been at the, at their highest mediocre. So Araldis Chapman is another one of those closers that lasted a good two and a half, three years at high, high rates of, of success and then fell off the face of the earth. So that's the thing that I've noticed for at least a decent amount of time watching, watching MLB, even when we were watching it in college, like you would see a, I would ask you about top closers in the league. And in a few years, you would tell me that they were terrible. So it, the, the closer position, hard to do. Um, it's not an easy job, but I've realized that the turnover at that position is relatively high and it has been for a decent amount of time. So I'm not surprised about Chapman, honestly, makes me feel better that he's a Yankees player and he's playing like crap, but, um, I mean, that, everyone that, has their slumps and everything, so yeah. it, it might change. He might end up obviously turning his season around, but right now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put him in. So right. from the statistician Tyler Martinez, he is having a very bleak outlook for Araldis Chapman for the rest of the season. All right, Ty, who else you got that's flopping? I would say, I mean, they're already kind of on a decline now, but everyone I feel like has high hopes for. The Chicago Cubs, they're they're sellers. So they're like, I mean, right now they're below 500. They're 44 and 46. So they're eight games below. They're eight games behind Milwaukee Brewers. But I I truly think that there are they're on the decline. They lost one of the best managers in baseball with Joe Madden. You have they hired David Ross, who he was a former catcher, played for the team. But I I truly think. Anthony Rizzo, he's they have so many pieces of their of that were their future basically that are all free agent at the end of the season. You have Javier Baez, one of the best shortstops in the league. You have Chris Bryant, and then you have Anthony Rizzo. Like it's just they're they have a lot of thinking to do. They're definitely sellers. I'm hoping that my team, the Mets, picks up Chris Bryant because he's so versatile. That would be like a third very base, good first base, all the outfield. Like he's a hell of a player, but yeah, they're definitely on the decline. 
All right, you yeah. heard him, Chris Bryant. Get over to New York. You can handle it. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm so happy that you picked the Cubs because the, I was just watching uh, MLB Network the other day, and I saw that at some point not too long ago. I think it was a two-week span where the Cubs were eight games ahead, and they ended up eight games down after like a few – like it was two or three weeks, and the Brewers won on a tear and just took over that division, and they've never been able to come afloat over above – their head has not been above water since then. Um they're, they're slumping hard too. Like they're similar to the Yankees. They're just, they have the players are just slumping. Yeah. Um, I'm so glad you didn't bring up my Minnesota twins because they can't flop more than they already have. Um, a little pissed off. My boy, Miguel Sano, my version of the big poppy was not in the home run derby, uh, but our starting pitching stinks. They're bad. So their bats are bad too. And for some reason I've noticed, and I'm, I'm going to leave it on this for some reason, since I've watched the twins play baseball, no matter what happens, it's almost similar to the Minnesota Vikings. So it must be a Minnesota curse. Uh, once the team, the player leaves the team, they're good. I was watching an Arizona Diamondbacks game the other day and Eduardo Escobar hit four home runs. What? <laughs> Sorry. What? Eduardo Escobar batted 185 for three years straight and we cut him. And now he hits four home runs in one game. Unbelievable. But he's on a training block too. I mean, Arizona Diamondbacks, they are a terrible team right now. They're tw- they what are 26 and 66. They're 26 and 66. And they're three, they're 32 and a half games back from the San Francisco Giants. The twins are only third. I think they're 39 and 39 and 50. They're 39 and 50, right? They're, yep, they're 39 and 50. Yeah, they're not even in last place. The Royals are finally in last. Thank God. Um, so, all right. So, great show today, dude. Thank you for coming on. If I could ask anybody to come on and talk baseball, it's definitely you. Uh, thank you, everybody out there. Ty, I appreciate you once again coming on and talking baseball. I know a little bit enough, but the only stuff that I know came from this dude right here. So, uh, appreciate you guys all listening. Thank you again for supporting the podcast. Uh, If you have any feedback for me or anything for Tyler, just hit me up in my DMs on Facebook. Still going to come in with an Instagram relatively soon here uh, just for the podcast so I can get all your guys' feedback in one location because so that not everybody has to hit me up on Facebook constantly. Uh, We're a few weeks away, hopefully getting on Apple Podcasts soon. Pandora and Spotify so that if you guys don't like using iHeartRadio or if you want listen on another platform so we're on all four platforms this will not be the last time that Ty is on the podcast uh we're gonna do at least two more that he doesn't even know about he he for at least the rest of the season um however we're hoping for a, a Mets World Series this year because Ty's getting married so if you guys didn't know that, Ty's getting married, and we're uh, we're hoping for a Mets Mets World Series this year because the Twins are definitely not winning it. So thank you all again for listening, and I appreciate it. Uh, everybody have a good rest of your day. And like I always say, later.